Hello, welcome to the Moontime Munchies podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Daly, and today's episode is the value of character, so let's dive right in. Character is the most overlooked yet valuable aspect to one's expression of self in the world, in my opinion. Writing this in December 2021, I've finished a very emotionally taxing conversation with my father, and I have to say that I'm grateful for the patience and grace he's allotted me. Essentially, the topic of conversation was the concerns of my aunts, uncles, several grandparents, and even those I haven't had relationships with coming forward to express their misunderstandings of my life choices and frustration at my stubbornness that they do not understand. I am appreciative of my father for filtering these comments, for only telling me these people's thoughts and fears when I invite him to, and the respect he's had for my mental health. The conversation ended with me expressing that a feeling of sadness had come up. I had always been wildly misunderstood just by having experiences that others couldn't relate to growing up, being isolated and then isolating myself and thus casting myself as other in this last decade especially. Choosing to do the scary thing to go inward and face all of these taught limiting beliefs and these harmful programs of the mind meant a further dissonance between me and those who wouldn't have the luxury, capacity, or inclination to do such work. To sit with myself in the darkness, in my deepest, most powerful fears, the ones that I've even kept from myself, alone and vulnerable, it's not only the most terrifying thing you could ever do, but it comes with the knowledge that however you change, however you walk out on the other side of that, everyone you love will never understand the way you see the world or the decisions you make for yourself. My dad doesn't either. I was the one to heal the family generational trauma along with a few other traumas, but he understands my character, which brings me to the point of today's episode. From an outside perspective, I can see how the decisions I make could terrify my loved ones. I graduated high school early and quit my job. I didn't get my driver's license until I was 20, and I never dated this small-town safe bet or got a shitty car. I quit my first corporate job with great benefits, a miserable nine months in, and racked up my rent payments to the other side of my family. Um, I chose not to socialize with most my age, and all of this is the exact opposite of what we're told is the safe or right thing to do. Despite my dad making space to hear my layman's terms descriptions of my reasonings, he and I both know that there is a limit to what even he could understand about the choices that I've made for myself. And it's deeper than nobody knows your experience but you. It's that I've spent over a decade and a half of my 22 years this February completely invested in the healing and psychological work, something that only my best friend of similar life experience can come close to fathoming the perspective of. With all that being said, and his fundamental concerns as a parent who worries for his child's well-being and the fact that he would make different choices himself aside, he does one important thing for our relationship that no other family member has managed to do. He saw my character. Not through his fears, not through the role he needed me to play in his life, not through the lens of his upbringing or the society we share, not through his trauma or mine. 
He sees me for me, the best that he can, and made space for me to show him a lot of who I am and let me define it. This is the common thread with all of my friendships that have lasted as well. They let me show them who I am. They didn't assume and I didn't just tell them. I proved it again and again with my intentions and my actions. That's what the rest of my family fails to understand. And when even with my dad's fears for me, as well as his sense in which he sees the world, he's still able to trust me. Before I get into the life path choices I've made for myself and how they triggered my loved ones, I want to start with some less detailed examples. My dad has told me offhand comments of a partner of the past saying that I forgot to thank her for bringing me to get my nails done as a kid or his current partner mentioning that I never contacted her personally to thank her for the gifts she sent a long distance last Christmas. Or even the family friend I used to work with who made an advance on me and then I decided the boundary I was comfortable with was ending the friendship altogether. And my dad having to explain to this man's whining, repetitive response that I don't hate anyone. I'm simply not capable of holding that much negativity for any one thing or person. My dad has seen me be the one person in his life that was over the moon when I received a donation in my name of a farm animal to a family in need for Christmas one year. My dad has seen me be the product of narcissistic abuse and give my heart and soul again and again to be absolutely destroyed and depleted. And when I had the strength to simply lift my head again, I used that to smile, to give back. He has seen the years it's taken me to learn that self-care is not selfish, to learn that I have value that I bring to the table, to learn that I don't have to work for and earn love and respect, that I am inherently deserving of the love that I've craved my entire life. I am aware that my experience of being insanely gaslit in my abuse to doubt my entire reality and how... My needs were neglected as a child, and my intentions were so wildly misinterpreted caused me to fear people and their projections of me, which led me to further misunderstandings when I, a seemingly confident, which is a ADHD defense mechanism, tall, thin, blonde girl who dressed nice and had a bubbly personality and everything that society told her to be, was so shit scared of being seen. I must have thought I was better than everyone. I must be shallow, spoiled, dumb, slutty, and a bimbo. I felt unseen through this isolation, gaslighting, and then self-isolation, which led to bullying, that every facet of who I was became a conscious choice. How I speak, how I walk, how I write, how I hold my face and body, how I take up space, everything about me was a choice that I made long ago in a desperate attempt to be seen how I felt inside. A lifetime of healing later, and I still spend quite a bit of my time thinking of the kindness I could add to the world or how I can transmute the pain that comes my way into something of love and light that will help people. For example, this entire podcast. I think about the things that I had to learn and how I want people to have the same access to unbiased information. I think about the pain I've endured and how I want to validate that and make space for people's authentic expression. 
I think about writing cards to loved ones. And when I work on a set, I want to learn everything I can and how much I care about what I create and about learning everyone's names, which I'm not great at at all, and bringing them snacks and flowers and thank you cards. So the rare times that I forget to say thank you, these people were appalled. While I was feeling tremendous gratitude for any light being shined my way whatsoever, my dad knew all along that I didn't have a bad bone in my body, no matter how I was perceived. It's come up a few times this holiday visit that if there was ever a kind gesture that I've failed to make, I simply either didn't have the means to or neglected to think of it. I'm also a neurodivergent trauma survivor who lives wildly outside social norms and proper decorum, so mistakes are made. <laughs> to get into the nitty gritty of it all and why being authentic to your character and making space to truly learn about others is so crucial, I'll explain why the talks of my future brought up sadness. The Reader's Digest is my family held doubt. It's as simple as that. Even coming from a place where I could understand their fears and their limiting beliefs that they have subscribed to, it hurt me that they didn't know me well enough to trust that even if I couldn't or wouldn't explain the method behind my madness, there was one. That I also wanted for myself a car and a home and a husband and financial stability and children, and that I plan on having all of it relatively soon. But it's also okay if I didn't want any of that too. What's important is none of it would be possible without the work that I've done for the past decade and the choices that I continue to make each and every day. It's almost humorous to sit with it now, knowing that in just a seven-year window, I made about 30 years of progress in trauma recovery and understanding of human consciousness. So, though to them, not knowing what it was that I was spending my time doing, it seems like I was wasting away the years of my youth. I'm doing the work required to not settle for the lesser evil like I've had to my entire life up until this point. But I'm stepping into the woman who would be a match for what would make me feel the most loved and most fulfilled. And I will have those things quicker and more tailored to me than they were personally able to manage through the resistance of forcing that which is out of their authentic alignment. The real disconnect comes in my knowing after all that I have lived that there is no true security in the systems that be, in the society we've submitted ourselves to. Don't get me wrong, there are necessary jobs in modern civilization and there are people who are living their highest alignment doing what a lot of us perceive as mundane. However, the majority of people are making compromises to their individual purpose and the significance of them having this lifetime with these circumstances and this point in space-time in human consciousness. We've seen this illusion of structure serving the most manipulative at the top crumble in this pandemic and still people cling to their fears and hope for safety. The ego is not inherently malicious. It is very important to the protection of the body and the understanding of one's mind, but it is strictly physical. It serves to process that which it sees and protects our physical reality, but 
the infinitely small portion of our reality that is comprehensible to our five senses is misleading when it comes to the expansion of our minds and the energies we interact with on a day-to-day basis. For example, our strongest physical sense is sight, and even those with the best sight can still only see less than 1% of that which surrounds us. Our strongest sense in the human vessel is emotion. How we feel before an event or situation tells us how it's going to go. How we feel in someone's presence tells us their intentions. How we feel when someone uses us as we all need each other is the key to how they are feeling. So I don't see a beater car or a corporate job or the nice guy next door as practicality. I see them as fear disguised as practicality. I am scared every day producing the projects that I make because I actually care about them. And even realizing that these things need to exist, that they're bigger than me, or the independent consciousness that is creative ideas chose me, that I chose this path, or that I'm capable and worthy. I choose fear and vulnerability every day. This is exhausting and depleting, but I never felt more alive or had more trust in myself or the divine chaos that orchestrates the cosmos. I read this quote once that I might butcher, but it was something like, courage is leaping into the abyss and realizing it's a feather pillow. I'm not saying that I don't face challenges every day and that I didn't spend a lifetime preparing for this work. I'm saying that it's worth it. I'm saying that the divine chaos is relatively mappable if you're quiet and sit with yourself, that there is no certainty or security in sacrificing one's authentic expression. I'm saying that chasing this changes your ripple. When you don't act in alignment, you're simply less satisfied and therefore minutely harmful again and again to your career, to your parents, to your children, in our schools, in our society, and to yourself. Everything is a relational energy. If you are unhappy with work, then you are unhappy with the relationship you have with work, which means you are unhappy with an energy you come into contact with at some point in your workday, which means there is a part of you allowing or accepting or even feeling deserving of the situation, which means that there's a self-limiting belief and probably an underlying trauma cause, which means it's another relational issue with the relationship you have with yourself and that which you have with whoever triggered the self-limiting belief to be accepted by your ego, that was just trying to protect you in the first place. But by neglecting this truth, searching for quick fixes to the symptoms of these deeper issues, by trying to force when there is opposition between two parts, is to hurt yourself and every relationship you have deeper. We've become accustomed to treating symptoms and instant gratification. We derive comfort from the protective mechanisms that limit our expansion. You are not wrong or bad or alone in feeling how you do. Even those who hurt you and triggered these limiting beliefs did not do so with malicious intent. But the truth of the matter is, to neglect the points in your life that are met with resistance is to suffer further and to hurt others. A wound of the mind or spirit is just like that of the body. It takes time and tending to to heal. But each layer that is ready to fade from your body will surface at nature's pace, not yours. Leave it neglected and it will become infected and you will get others sick and it will inevitably be the death of you. 
Being active in your healing is like cleansing your wounds and providing the antiseptic or other healing ointments. (laughs) You're providing the resources nature needs to heal as well and as quickly as it can, but it still needs space and time. I've made tough choices for myself. I've spent time not knowing where my food would come from. I have left a source of income when I still had self-limiting beliefs on finance and abundance because I knew I wouldn't heal that by going somewhere that made me absolutely miserable in a desperate attempt to cling to the limiting belief that money would only come sparingly if you sacrifice your life source energy and lifetime. I have sacrificed celebrations when celebrating is fundamental to my character. I have asked for groceries and toiletries for my birthday and Christmas, and I have done so happily because I'm doing what I love to do, because for the first time, I am deeply and profoundly happy. I am taking aligned action with my highest self, even when it is scary, even when I don't know how it will work out. I trust that it will. If I need to find a way to finance myself or my art, then so be it. But as it stands, the jobs available are not accommodating to my neurodivergency, and I do not have the spoons to do both. I fall out of alignment when I'm not taking aligned actions, and having a plan B would imply that I have any doubt whatsoever, or even would be willing to compromise the entirety that is plan A, which is not an option. I'm not naive. I'm not hanging on to lofty clouds. I am more grounded here in reality than all of my loved ones who are white-knuckling their rusting scaffolding, wallless and scared. It's also become clear that someone who has conformed to old-world ideals and mannerisms in my dad's life was uncomfortable with how I was addressing a boundary of mine. The truth is... This past year, I learned how to be firm and unapologetic in my boundaries for the first time, that I don't need to sugarcoat my intentions or have some futile attempt in controlling how someone with an entirely different life experience chooses to perceive my behaviors. I had addressed a concern that had come up in a compromise that was needing to be made for me visiting in their home and adjusting to their lifestyle. My dad knew me to be so grateful for the opportunity to be welcomed into their home and to see my loved ones. He knew that I was respectful of their space, time, and how hard they worked. He knew that I was aware of the burden it is to intrude on people's lives for such a long holiday. He knew that I was simply sharing a challenge that I had and how I was personally going to take action to make my stay easier to manage. He knew that every day I go through a healing and emotional and spiritual evolution and understanding of things. He knew that I was sensitive to sensory stimulation and vividly described my experiences He knew that I have an inherent respect for him and his accolades, for lack of a better term, and the actions that he has taken in our relationship, but he understands that I don't just hand out respect when it's not relevant or when it's undeserved. She was uncomfortable with me setting a boundary without sugarcoating it. She was uncomfortable with me sharing how I felt or my plan to take action, which didn't impact them at all. 
I felt invalidated by the assumption being read into that my gratitude or respect was not there, or even worse, that a complaint was present. I'm not going to lie, I addressed the challenge that I was experiencing in the overstimulating way that I was experiencing it, but I didn't assign blame to the cause of the issue. It wasn't nearly as important to me as doing what I could to address the issue. I felt like the safe space to be honest about how I was feeling was revoked. This is what I mean by making space to be understanding of someone's character. Are there ways that I could have known her better and be more tactful with my delivery? Absolutely. And now that's something I know that I could do. But if she even knew me a little, how how my dad did, which is not an incredible amount to begin with, by the way then she could trust that I was never coming from a bad place. I'm also aware that I am the only one in the majority of my relationships that will have this period of introspection of how I could be more accommodating to others and that I deserve the same. This person's ego felt the need to defend their experience and choices while I had no emotional attachment to the words that I was saying. I had no intent on complaining or invoking feelings from her. My best friend and I will misunderstand each other's actions and words constantly, and if we ever find ourselves in a situation where we can't ask for reassurance or clarification, we sit securely in the knowing of each other's hearts and intentions, and that nothing would ever come from a negative place. Again, as my dad has said, I don't have a bad bone in my body. Not to say that I don't have darkness. My heart aches to care for others because of the pain that it's endured. But my actions have never once come from the intent of even the slightest harm, and yet they are so often perceived in that way. I do acknowledge where I take ownership. Similar to my fear of people in the past and self-isolation in school, for example, causing the projections and assumptions to be worse, my decision to do the work that nobody in my life has the courage or privilege to do and to make the scary calls to live unconventionally means that my morals, my intentions, my motivating energy for action comes from this place that is entirely foreign to these people in my life. They can't hope to understand me if they have no common ground to root it in. I do understand that this is the bed that I've made and I'm lying in it. And I'm doing so proudly because it was a lot of work and I'm deeply and profoundly happy. But my hope is that with projects like this podcast is to make philosophies, concepts, points of views, and simple facts of life more accessible to those who personally need a safe space to be authentically themselves or feel ready to find reliable sources to better understand the world, and people around them. I see actions made nearly every day by nearly every one of my loved ones that I wouldn't ever do, and not from a belief or a story or my ego's need to protect me, but from a lifetime of studying human psychology and knowing exactly why it is they're taking action unaligned with themselves. 
I would be more than happy to share what I know and help if these loved ones could step down from the role that they think they're maintaining and care about themselves enough, but I don't impose because I know that they need to believe these things just as I needed to believe hundreds of things that have limited me in the past. The only difference is when I don't agree with their actions, all I feel is appreciation for my understandings of the situation and an earned pride in myself for the immense amount of work it took to get to this point. When others see me not conforming to what makes them feel safe, it threatens the narrative their ego has that these things that they've settled for are necessities. I bring out negative emotional responses in people because I shine a light on their fears. I heard a few nights ago, again, when I wrote this back during the holidays, um, that I have always inadvertently been people's karma. If they were brave enough to do what they were meant to do in this life, they found a safe space in me, and I in them. If they chose fear, then I make them uncomfortable. I trigger them. I make them mad. I don't mean to. You are inherently love and light, but the darkness you are smothering yourself with like a blanket you mistake as comfort is disintegrating in the presence of my light, and I cannot stop it. I will not dim for you. If you need to hold on to your coping mechanisms longer, that is okay. I had to hold on to quite a few of mine for a while too, but it will put separation between us. I will hold no ill will. Take all the time and space you need. Finally, my dad simply put it, people don't know how to take you, <laughs> which was hard for me to understand for a long time because I tried so hard to make my intentions clear and I was almost sure I did. I spent quite a bit of time in my very early childhood learning how people communicate the things that I was feeling because I was so intensely gaslit. But the truth is, I am the odd one out. There's a handful of people on the planet who can even relate to most of my life, and even less when I took it upon myself to do what was best for me. As long as people know that I do everything with a burning passion, and I love and I care so much about everything I do all the time, <laughs> it doesn't bother me that they don't understand me. Because I finally do. And in that... I'll find the people who not only see me as I am, but love me as I am, because I'm not confused, I'm not hiding, I'm not ashamed, I'm not compromising, and most importantly, I am no longer contorting myself into the shape of what someone else can love if they cannot love me. The people that would make me the happiest can't find me if I'm not me. I worked damn hard to become her. My dad even recommended releasing my projects anonymously if it was so debilitatingly scary to do that which matters most to you. Following the light that has guided you through all of the darkness, that one thing that you could truly believe in all along and now, to have to step into that truth, to test the validity of your faith. But I can't do it as someone else. I can't doubt my own worth or the value that I bring to the table any longer. I share my story with my face plastered on it, and if it crashes and burns, then I'll do that with my face held high as well. While I'm writing this, my dad came in to share a quote from the comedian Sarah Silverman, who said, the greatest gift you can give, give your children is to love them for who they are. Thank you, Padre. <laughs> Though 
there have been plenty of times where you did not understand who I was or it simply clashed with who you were. You've done your best to make this space for me and I could not be more grateful. I will go out and make that space for everyone I can and for my kids as well. As always, this has been my thoughts on some things. I'd love to hear your perspective. My name is Morgan Daly and I'm on most platforms. Be kind, be mindful, and have a good day on purpose.